What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to season four, episode six of the hashtag Are You Okay, Mate podcast. I'm so happy to have been back doing this this season. This is the last in the series. Um, we'll be back again in the summer, but we'll talk about that at the end. But for now, I need to introduce my guest. I am joined today by someone I met very randomly at an event, probably a year and a half ago now. Um, and since then, um, she's blown me away. She is incredibly positive. The, mo the busiest woman in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joined by the very inspirational, the very beautiful Hayley Scott Summers. Hayley. Hello. Hello, title of the podcast. Are you okay, <laughs> mate? I'm good. Sure? How are you? I'm very well. I'm really good. I'm really good, thank you. It's a bit warm in here today, so I apologise. That's okay. Cosy. Cosy. <laughs> you, you look like you're at home. <laughs> I feel very at home. <laughs> I feel like I'm sat in your, sofa, in your living room. It's an amazing space though, right? It's really cool. Yeah. It's really, really cool. It's good. Um, well, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And that's it. That's the end of the podcast. No, um, <laughs> what a pleasure it's been. <laughs> it's been amazing. Let's just let's just call it that. No, um, right. Loads I want to talk to you about today. Um, but for those who don't know you, mm -hmm. introduce yourself. Well, as you said, my name is Haley Scott Summers. Yep. I am, I like to say, multi-passionate entrepreneur, mm -hmm. businesswoman, mama, and most recently, writer, speaker. Professional painting the ass. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> All of those things. Just do everything. <laughs> All of those things. Yeah. Okay. So probably what I know you for is the obviously the, the, the business woman mm. side of things. And then since I met you, I've obviously learned about you doing your coaching and your mm. and your writing. Um and I want to talk about that, but I also want to share your story a little bit because I think you've got an incredible story. Um Part of it, I don't, I've, I don't think I've ever really fully got the whole story. So this is more of learning for me as well. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Dum dum dum. No. Um, How much time have you got? That's <laughs> yeah, right. We've got loads of time. Don't worry about it. Um, so let's 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 just start talking about you. Like, where did you grow up, and how were things for you as a kid, and what led you to where you are today? Wow. Okay. Big question to start with. It is, but I've teed myself up for something. <laughs> okay, okay. So I was born in Scotland, mm -hmm. thirty something years ago, and twenty nine plus VAT. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> so yeah, so I was born in Scotland, and my parents separated when I was about six months old. So I then moved down to Devon, mm -hmm. and I was then raised in between Devon and Wales because. My mother had a nomadic soul. This is probably a nice way to put it. So we moved around a lot in between mm. England and Wales. And until I was 13, mm -hmm. and I went to go and live with my dad, mm -hmm. went back to Scotland, mm -hmm. came back to Devon, and found myself in Cambridgeshire about 10 years ago. <laughs> so do you class yourself as English, Scottish, Welsh, or what? A little bit of everything. Where's your allegiance lie? When, when people say, where are you from? I'm like, not from around here. <laughs> when I was in the army, we used to call them Heinz 57. Yeah. Because there's like 57 varieties, like major yeah, ups, like yeah, a Heinz sure. 57. Yeah, so um, so growing up in all of those different places, like moving about that much as a youngster must have been quite unsettling. Constant new kid. Always the new girl. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely always the new girl. And how was that? 
I think I don't I don't realize I didn't realize how difficult it was until I got older. Mm-hmm. And I look back and I'm like, man, you were super awkward. okay because as well as always being the new kid yeah up until the age of 13 i was actually raised in a very strict cult-like religion this is exactly where i see what what i've done myself here bang (laughs) i've teed myself up like tentative with my wording uh, which I won't name. I'm not. It's not going to be named. No, don't want you to. Um, but I'm very happy to explore that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, so the combination of always being the new kid and growing up in that cult-like religion was just this big concoction of complications that led to a lot of insecurities and so we're being gonna, very insular, I guess. We're gonna. This is gonna be. Our, our I hope this is going to be new territory for you because <laughs> I get the, the impression I get from you is you're very good at exploring other people mm-hmm. and I'm going to try and ex- explore your story a little bit today okay. because I've always been fascinated by when you say I grew up in this cult-like religion mm-hmm. Like, I always thought, right, I'm going to one day sit down with Hayley. <laughs> I love how you've got a camera on me when <laughs> the one day you decide to do that. <laughs> Amazing. It's all right. We'll blow your face out. They won't find you. <laughs> um, obviously, the, all jokes aside, just share what you're comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so explain to me a little bit, as much as you can, as much as you feel comfortable with, about this cult-like religion, where you grew up, mm-hmm. from what ages, what it was like. And then lastly, did it differ- differentiate between that and your life away from that? Mm-hmm. As, of, as So what I mean is your what we'd call home life within this yeah. cult-like religion and outside of that at school, yeah. the, the being the awkward and stuff. So I want to just see the correlation between the two. Okay. So firstly, tell me what it was like being in and around that and well, how did that feel as a kid? Well, firstly, I have to say that I didn't start talking about this until about a year or two ago mm-hmm. because I wanted to keep it separate. I wanted right. to keep it in the past. Okay. I was I sort of like tried to compartmentalize it. I was like, right, well that was then. Yeah. This is now. And I'm a fairly positive person. So I don't believe in holding on to the past and, and harboring any of these 100% things. Hundred percent a thing. So very much like well that was then and this is now. And it was actually only through starting the coaching business that I began to realise so many of my limiting beliefs and so many of the things that I had struggled with had stemmed from growing up that way. Mm-hmm. And it was only then that I realized you can't separate the two. In fact, it was maybe even as early as six months ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, you have to stop hiding from this. You can't, you don't have to out that. You don't have to be disparaging towards it but you have to own that this is where you've come from because it's such a huge part of my mission today to help women feel the way that I felt and I felt the way that I felt because Mm -hmm. of how I grew up Mm -hmm. so it's hard to separate the two yeah so as a what ages was it that you was in that so from as young as I can remember so birth so my mother was born into it Okay, so, so it's a generational thing. It's a generational thing. thing, absolutely. So I'm like third generation, wow. but away from it. So she was born into it, and she struggled with it her whole life. Mm. She was in and out, in and out, in and out. The problem is when you leave that environment, when you're out, you are out, and no one will talk to you. Right, and so I can imagine that's hard. You know, if you've been in it your whole life, mm-hmm. your whole life will be in it, 
i.e. friends, relationships, yeah. business, work, whatever. Yeah. And then when you step away from it, to be shunned by it, yeah. that like, like tricky, parent, man. Like parents and all. But here's the thing. The thing that's so complicated about it is that growing up in that environment, you're not allowed much contact with the outside world. Okay. So you're not allowed to form close relationships with anyone outside of that religion. Okay. So friends, partners, anything like that. It also regards education, higher education, as being spiritually dangerous. Wow. Right? So Yeah, spiritually dangerous. So higher education is completely discouraged and in some areas banned. So how are you expected to form a life outside, form a of, life it? outside of it? Yeah, right? And then you've got people who won't talk to you because you're no longer in it. So it's very difficult for anyone to carve a path for themselves outside of it when they don't have the tools mm. to be in that world. Mm. That separation causes a lot of issues. And mm. I've seen a lot of people who've left that environment who've mm. had a lot of issues. So my mother was in and out because she couldn't deal with being in it because it was so restrictive. Mm -hmm. But then she couldn't deal with being out of it because she didn't have her parents. Because it was so isolating. Yeah. So we were always in and out of it. But even when we were out, we'd move somewhere. We were no longer in that religion, per mm. se. So we weren't going to the congregations. Mm -hmm. We still weren't allowed to do the other things that other people who weren't a part of that religion were allowed to do. So it was kind of confusing. Because it was like, well, we're not doing that. But we still weren't allowed to do the other things. Yeah, it's funny, that though, because like, when you, when you say the word cult, you think of like these families in America and yeah. all of these like these camps and stuff like that. And f like it's for me, yeah, it's a fascinating world. It's also quite scary. Like I don't hide from my faith, and I don't think I should do. But being having my faith and then looking at that and saying, right, you're carrying that out in the same belief system yeah. as me. But how are you that extreme about it? Because the beautiful thing about my faith and my religion is it's a really caring religion and we're, you know, we're, we're born to be something and born to be free. So how are you using that word to restrict someone so much? Like, okay, so how did that affect your, how did that affect your schooling? How did that affect your relationships with other kids? Well, I just always felt like an outsider. I was always kind of like the weirdo. Did you feel like that, or was you made to feel like that? Mm, that's tricky. That's tricky. I think it was probably my my way of interpreting it. Is because you're not. You have to be separate. And also, the thing with the religion that I grew up in, it's a really kind of weird. Like to throw a, a kind of a spanner in the works of it is that they believe the world's going to end. Armageddon's coming, like tomorrow. Mm. Armageddon's coming tomorrow. The world's going to end. So your concept of building anything future-wise is very, how can I put it? You feel What's quite detached from it. Yeah. And you're also told that anyone who's not in the religion is going to die. So you're in this religion, you're like in this bubble and in this environment, and everyone else on the outside isn't going to exist tomorrow because Armageddon's coming. And I didn't realise how messed up that was <laughs> until probably about... Yeah. Five years ago, yeah, maybe maybe ten years ago at most. Yeah, That's what I'm like saying. When so I fully like walked away from it. Forming relationships yeah. with friends mm. that are outside of that religion must have been really hard because yeah. I don't care what you say, no matter how much you indoctrinate people and how much you brainwash them, they are people, mm. and part of being a person is you have feelings and emotions, and yeah. you you form relationships and yeah. bonds and. 
that must be really hard because like if you form a friendship with someone you care about them yeah but then <laughs> in that cult-like religion you'd be thinking what's the point mm. like because at the end of all this the world's gonna end there's gonna be armageddon you're not gonna be here yeah. and i am mm-hmm. so th- there must be this block that's yeah. that is that right yeah there is but also you're told to not be friends with anyone who's outside of that religion because okay. again bad association yeah spoils good habits yeah so you shouldn't be friends with people who are outside of that so it's just a very insular environment. And as children, you never think, wow, I'm going to behave this way and not talk to other people and be really quiet because Armageddon's coming tomorrow and I'm not like... You just kind of automatically retreat, mm. which is what I did an awful lot. And because I was excluded from so many different groups and things, so I was never allowed to attend a religious studies class in school. So no RE, no assembly. So you have to go and sit outside in the hallway with a piece of paper and, you know, when you're really little, like colouring yeah. pencils. So you're, also, you know, two weeks for Christmas being pulled outside of school so, so my, that you're not included in it. So you just always... So my, where my mind's going with this is explaining that to your peer group. Mm. Did you did you have to do that? I don't ever really remember describing it to my peer group. No, no but I, like, I, just I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm different. Like, as a kid, if I... If I was doing a lesson, yeah, and one of my friends got pulled out every time we do yeah. done this lesson. Oh, it was common knowledge that I was that I was part of this organization. Okay. Therefore, I was not allowed to partake in stuff. So there was also the way that there is in school with situations like there was also a lot of bullying, right. a lot of um, yeah, so feeling quite isolated and. So how did the bullying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. how did the bullying manifest itself? Oh, just like kids, playground stuff, name calling. Okay. You know, rhymes and things. Okay. Yeah. The only reason I ask is because, like, again, I'm sure you, being a parent, mm. is everything I believe, everything that happens to you as a child, yeah, in some way, shape, or form, will affect you as an adult. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, w- I, I, I always said, like, I was very lucky. I was never bullied as a kid. My biggest fear is my children being bullied. Like, well, I say my biggest fear. One of my biggest fears is my children being bullied. So I always, when someone mentioned bullying to me, because I never experienced it, I always got quite interested in it. Yeah. Um, and I should imagine to be, because if you as a child, being part of that religion, it's not your choice. Mm. You were born into it. Yeah. And to be bullied for that, did that make you feel like, well, this isn't, well, why are you bullying me? This isn't my fault. It's just my family. Is is that right? Is is that how it felt? If I'm honest, I don't remember ever thinking about it that way. I just remember feeling quite lonely. Just right. a lot of frustration, a lot of loneliness. Yeah. And not really. And, and also, I'm not sure there was a huge amount of time to think about it in that sense. Because like I said, I was always a new girl. So everything was going to be temporary. Okay. You know, there, there was always this like settling in period. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for sharing that. So let's 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 sort of move on from that. When did the change come? From right, I'm not doing this anymore. So, when I was 13, my mother gave me up, mm-hmm. and I went to live with my dad and his family. Mm-hmm. And it was a whole thing. So there were social services were involved, police were involved. It went to court and all these sort of things. I think that looking back, my mother just didn't have the tools to be able to parent. 
very well. Okay. And again, she grew up in a very complicated environment. So, mm. and I do believe that most people are just doing the best they can with the tools they've got. 100%. I'm telling you now, hundred percent. Yeah. So, so she was struggling. So she gave me up when I was thirteen, and my dad said they they I was going to stay there, and he'd already had a wife and, and children and things like that. So I stayed there. And one of the first things my dad said was, "There's no religion under this cottage. Like, there's no Bible. I'm not like it's not happening here." And I was like, okay, I didn't have an issue with it at all. Mm. It was different. But all of a sudden, I got to celebrate Christmas. I got to have friends. I got to, I started to be able to socialize with other people and not be the weirdo and the new kid and all those different things. So I didn't really, if I'm honest, I was kind of like, okay, no worries. (laughs) I certainly wasn't mourning anything by not doing that. And then... So uh, that was the door closed on that. But I was always curious. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to, I think I was about 20, 21, I had, my marriage had ended. I was now a single mum mm-hmm. to a young kid. And I then inadvertently ran into someone at a wedding that was hundreds of miles away from where I'd grown up. And it turns out they had also grown up within that organization okay now when you meet someone out in the world Mm -hmm. who grew up in that environment you make an instant connection like i'm not even kidding you i met someone in december and we were talking and there was a point where she was looking at me and i was looking at her we were like we were like did you grow up and we were like no fucking way and you make an instant connection because that loneliness that you felt that insular kind of the world is here and i'm here and you're not a part of it when you meet someone who grew up that way that is you're together then you know exactly the pain and the struggles they've had so i'm going to flip this then so in a way something positive does come out of it because it helps you form a bond later on in life when you're away from that so it's i should imagine it's the same as anyone that's been through any sort of trauma Mm -hmm. because people attract people do you know what i mean like yeah. When you've been through something, I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording. Like, when I talk, like, I told you I'm a, I'm a deep thinker, and one of, the, one of the things I always think is just me things are happening to. Yeah. I'm fully aware it's not, but yeah. the way my brain works is this is, so when you start talking to someone that's been through it, yeah. it you get, like, you get that bond. Okay. But pain recognises pain. Yeah, absolutely. An instant connector. Absolutely. So you met this person at this wedding. Yeah, so I met this person at this wedding. And again, instant connection. And we ended up having a three-year on and off relationship. Mm-hmm. And in that time, I went back to Bible studies. Mm-hmm. I sort of, I, I had always really struggled to celebrate some of the things mm-hmm. outside of that religion. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to Bible studies and I didn't celebrate any of these things, which kind of felt like a relief because I'd always had this kind of feeling like it was wrong and I was going to get in trouble for doing these things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, so a funny story. The first time I ever decided to celebrate Christmas, my daughter was four years old, five years old. And I'd had it before, but it didn't feel right. And it was the first time it was just me and her. And I'm like, no, I'm going to celebrate Christmas. Mm-hmm. I went out, I bought a tree, decorated it, I put it up. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And the next morning I freaked out and I took everything down off the tree. I packed the tree up and I gave it all to charity. I was like, I can't do this. Was <laughs> you just overwhelmed by it, Hayley? Because you'd never, because you'd never celebrated it, and I hate Christmas. No, I don't think it was overwhelm. I think it is just deep programming. 
deep. Okay. Yeah, absolutely deep programming. Because I'd had, like I said, when I went to my dad's, we were celebrating Christmas there. Yeah. And I was a part of all of that. So it you had been like, around it, yeah. Okay, yeah, so I'd that. been around it. It just, it was just deep programming. Deep programming that this yeah, is wrong. for sure. Yeah, because like, all I can say is like, I hate Christmas because it's such a hype. Like, I love it now. <laughs> I'm glad you do. And, and yeah. be, like, people think I'm a Scrooge. And I love it for my kids. Yeah. Like, they love Christmas. But, like, this year, for example, my tree was down by the 27th. Yeah, but I'm like, I want it down by December 31st. My trip, but it's gone down. Because to me, it's like, it's a new year. Like, why have you still got your tree up? Christmas was last year. I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's <laughs> January 1st. Christmas was last year. <laughs> 20, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it's my, I've, my, maybe it's my boys because they're messy little sods, man. Like, yeah. They just leave rubbish everywhere. And <laughs> I'm just like, I need to get rid of Christmas. Go. No. Um. Okay, cool. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And it, yeah. Like, it's really interesting to hear about that part of your life. So, how did that, did, sorry, did that help you to do what you're doing today? Yes. Okay. Well, I didn't know it. I didn't. I always thought it was this. Again, don't talk about it. I've even in my relationship now. I've been with my partner for almost five years. Yeah. And even when we first got together, there was never so much talk about that period of my life as what there is now. See that? That must have been hard for him. Did he know about it? When you first got he together, did but it was a very kind of like well, there was someone, there was this one weird kid <laughs> in my school that was a part of that. So I, it was in the peripheral, but most people's perception is very limited on it. Yeah, because it's where like, I'm going with this, yeah, is you'd want to explore it. You know, like so when you when you first meet someone, you want to know about them. Yeah, you yeah. ask questions. You want to explore it, and was you willing to explore it? I brushed it under the carpet very much. Okay. And I definitely, five years ago, would have not referred to it as a cult-like religion. Mm. It was, I grew up in this weird religion. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I feel quite strongly about referring to it as a cult-like religion is because it uses so much manipulation and control mm -hmm. to keep its the members of that congregation separate from the outside world. And it uses a lot of fear-mongering. Mm -hmm. That's really not... Like, I'm a spiritual person now, but it took me a long time to be okay to be a spiritual person mm -hmm. because I had to separate what that meant. I've never really, I've, I'm, I'm going to sound really ignorant here. I've really never understood the difference between being spiritual and being religious. Like, I don't understand. So, yeah, for me, I, like, I class myself, I don't class myself as a spiritual person. Mm. I class myself as a man of faith. Yeah. Like, so I don't understand. And then, what, what does faith mean to you? This is my podcast, Hayley. <laughs> <laughs> Save that for your own. Um, what does... No, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that. See, people... You're the first person that's ever asked me a question. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. So really? The it, first? It's always, are you okay, mate? And never, are you okay, Jamie? I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, what does faith mean to me? So, faith means to me is... Faith is the evidence of things unseen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's believing that something's there to help you, even though there's no physical evidence of it, and believing that at one point in time there will be physical evidence of it. Mm. And like my faith to me has got me through so much. Yeah. Like, and I genuinely mean that it's got me through so much. When I've been going through some awful, awful times, every time now, whenever I go through something. 
th- this is the beautiful thing about my faith, and like I, I, I hate to be someone that preaches because I'm not a preacher, and I, I, if someone's got a belief, they've got a belief. If they haven't, they haven't. Just enjoy your time in hell. That's no, I'm joking. Brutal. <laughs> 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 no, like my my faith will give me a peace when I don't deserve it. Do you know what I mean by this? Like I could be going through. If you was to write it on paper, you'd be like, how are you so calm? Mm. Like, how are you calm about this situation? That's my faith that does that. Mm. It's like, it'll, it, it, trust me, it's going to be fine. That's what faith means to me. It's an evidence of, of something I can't see. And experience comes with that as well, doesn't it? Of course. Like, it's, you have to have the experience of that to know that it's going to be okay. Yeah. And I think that it takes three or four times, mm. not just once, because once can be a fluke. And then twice starts. Like, this is this is what's beautiful about I I think. And again, like everyone's journey with their, I spoke about this last week, but everyone's journey with their faith is different, mm-hmm. and it's personal to them. And I think that's one thing that is is beautiful about about faith yeah. and about religion. But for me, like every time something had, so the first time something happened that I'd leaned on my faith, I was like, yeah, that was a fluke. Mm. And then the second time, I was like got lucky with that one yeah then the third time i was like actually what's this then the fourth time it was like no this is starting to make yeah. sense to me now and then the fifth the sixth the seventh and i think i'm on about my millionth time now where yeah, i've had yeah. to lean on so my so faith. Many coincidences that you can far too many it's not even a coincidence now like i know what yeah. it is and uh, like i say it's so how's that affected your relationship with faith like you're a mum to children if one of your children was to come up to you, mm-hmm. so you've got how many daughters? So I we have three daughters. We co-parent the two youngest. Yes. So they're not biologically mine. Right, okay. So if the, one of the two youngest daughters yeah. was to come up to you and say, I'm gonna, I want to live my life this way, yeah. how, would that make, how would that make you feel? And what would you, like, how would you react to that? Live their life what way? Like, according to... According to this this religion... That I grew up in? Yeah. I would be deeply concerned. Uh, okay. Yeah, deeply concerned. Not because it involves religion, but because of the restrictive nature. Okay. So, for example, within that religion, um, homosexuality is banned. It's a sin. You can be cast out and shunned for being gay. So there's no gay mm. people. <laughs> there, there will be gay people within that religion. <laughs> but, you know, for myself, I'm bisexual. Mm. And it was only in my mid-twenties that I really fully understood and embraced that. Yeah. But I've always obviously been that way. But yeah. I kept that part of me quiet for such a long know, time. That must have been so confusing because again. It's, so it's confusing, confusing anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, yeah, no homosexuality. Women are to be subservient to their husbands yeah. in that religion. So, again, having girls, I'd be deeply concerned about them giving up certain freedoms and rights yeah. in order to live a life of subservience to a man. Understandable. So, yeah, so that, that would be a second concern. My third would be the ostracizing nature of not being a part of anything on the outside. So mm. I'd be concerned about losing contact with my children. Mm. Um, like... I where does it end? <laughs> like okay, so, so many, that's I right. think those are like definitely the so three or four biggest. Has ones. it had an effect on your relationship with faith on the whole? 
It did for a long time in the sense that at one point I would have said, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. And then I started to go, well, I believe in something. I'm not atheist. But for a long time, if I'm really, really honest, even the word God was a trigger for me. Wow. And I don't mean to sound, you know, um, like a proper millennial. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel so triggered. <laughs> but I did. Like, if someone brought up God or the Bible, I would instantly find myself Stand. shut down, not interested, close that's, the door. I don't want to hear it. Can I tell you, as a Christian, that's heartbreaking for me Yeah. to hear because for me, God's a beautiful thing and God's a wonderful thing mm. and God's something that should be shared. And the Bible is something that every person on this planet at mm. some point should be able to pick up and put down as much as they want. And yeah. to, to hear that those two words, God and the Bible, two words that bring yeah, me tremendous <laughs> comfort. Yeah. To but hear that's because of your association with them. True. So if you've had bad association with something, it's going to cause a negative emotion. True. No matter what it is. True. That's that's like anything, though, yeah. isn't it, right? If, yeah. And, yeah. And now I've come to the, t- to the point where, I mean, it's, what am I... 10, 11, 12 years maybe where I completely drew a line in the sand and was like, no, absolutely not. I'm closing the door on that. I'm not looking back. I'm not raising my daughter to be that confused Mm. and to raise her in that and close the door on it. And it's taken maybe in the past two years for me to really accept spirituality Mm. as a part of my life Mm. and realize that I might say the universe, you might say God. Okay. What are we? What's the difference here? What are there we isn't. talking about? There isn't. And you know, ten, you know, five years ago, I'd have been triggered by the word God. Yeah. But if someone had said universe, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. So, what's the difference? Am I safe in saying that you've won over that part of your life? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well yeah, done. absolutely. It definitely doesn't have a hold over me. Amazing. It doesn't control me in any way. That's exactly where I wanted to yeah, go with this part yeah, it of Yeah, it doesn't have any hold over me whatsoever. I feel very free and liberated to you live my life credit as for I it? want. Give yourself credit for it? I don't know about credit. Probably not, if I'm honest. <laughs> Wake up every day. Like, congratulations, hey, hey. <laughs> well, no, but I, I think that anyone that's ever come through anything in their life that's been hard like really hard, that yeah. can have the ability to really affect, the, well, like I said at the beginning of this, anything yeah. that happens anything that happens to you as a child has an effect on you as an adult. And if you can go through a negative experience as a child and being an amazing mother and this beautiful, caring person that you are, then 100% give yourself credit for it. It's so funny because it's absolutely what I would say to somebody else. And this isn't me being disparaging, but I just, I see all the gifts that I have now because of the way that I grew up. I have so many gifts because of how I grew up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that is part of my journey. And everybody's got a journey. So my journey isn't any more turbulent or special than anybody else's. It's just that that element of my life was always going to be a part of my journey. Mm. And I was always going to be sat here today talking to you about these things and then being able to go and do the things that I do. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be able to do those things mm. if I hadn't gone through that. Yeah, so I get again, that. you can't separate the two. So I don't think, I don't really congratulate myself for getting through it. I just look back and think I'm really grateful for all the things that I learned from that. Yeah. Because it's put me on the path that I'm on now. Mm. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. 100%. Um, you know, I tell you, I, I was chatting to a friend yesterday. Mm. And um, we, me and him were messaging each other. And I just said to him, right, life's just about 
we were talking about something that, that I did a few weeks ago that I'm not proud of. And I said I've really let myself down because it's it's someone who I was 10 years ago. Mm. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm not, I've worked so hard, not even 10 years ago, I'd say five years ago. I've worked so hard to not be that person and I really let myself down on something. It doesn't it just creep up on you? It's so easy sometimes yeah. to fall back into that. Yeah, and it was a it was a stupid moment of madness that I felt sick about. If I'm honest, mm. not yeah, I, I just felt sick with myself. And so me and him were messaging each other, and I said, I'm really like, I've let myself down. And he's like, Look, just learn from it and move on. And yeah. the point I'm going to make is we was messaging each other about this stuff, and I said, Look, for me, life's about moments in time now. Like, that's how I look at life. It's, it's shared experiences and moments in time. Mm. And everything is a moment in time that at one point you can look back at. And for you to look back at, at what you came through and, yeah. like I say, be thankful for what you've got and thank you, thankful for all the things that you do, which leads me lovely into... What, what, right, I've got it. I feel like I'm in a sweet shop here. I don't know what to pick. Um, let's talk. So much crazy to discuss. Yes, so much. Let's talk about your coaching because I think that's amazing. Like the stuff you work with, you work with women. Yes. Um, yeah. Talk to me about the driving force behind that. Yeah. What you do mm-hmm. and why you do it. Okay, so it started during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, okay, I'll go back a little bit further than that. So when I was. 20 in order to try and make sense of the world around me and the way that I'd grown up and the dichotomy of my dichotomy rather of my experience love that word dichotomy it's a beautiful word isn't it especially if you pronounce it correctly yeah <laughs> dichotomy dichotomy so of how I grew up because there was so much that was contrasting towards a religious upbringing that I was also exposed to as a kid mm. so guess in order to try and make sense of all of that i've always heavily gravitated towards psychology yeah. and human behavior yeah so i spent two years studying counseling and psychotherapy mm-hmm. moved up to cambridge with my daughter put a pin in it started my first business mm-hmm. which was completely unrelated so we won't get into that today because it's just so random and uh fast forward to the pandemic and lost one of my businesses almost overnight which was this like so many people experience this grief and shock but but it also led me something beautiful i was like well what do i really want to do is that what you really want to do anyway for the rest of your life yeah and i found myself returning to my roots of counseling and psychotherapy Mm. with the core purpose to help people Mm -hmm. i've always been quite driven and interested in behavior and why people do the things that they do yeah people fascinate me Aren't they so interesting? I get so interesting. I get fascinated by <laughs> by bad behavior. Oh, what causes someone like to what? Do, yeah, bad behavior what, like, like on a criminology level because I studied that for a while as well. That's oh, super oh, fascinating. Oh, like we really haven't got that much time, but um, <laughs> on a criminology level, but you know, also like st- stupid bad behavior. Yeah. Like, what was the process behind that? You know, like literally, if you see someone driving the wrong way up a one-way street, yeah. my mind goes to, how did you think that that was a good idea? <laughs> like, or when I see at work, for example. Are you talking about stupidity or bad behaviour? Bad, there's well, a difference. Well, like, even bad behaviour, you know, like someone breaking into someone's house. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what drove that? At what point in time, I get desperation and circumstance, but 
everything's a process. So at one point you were sat in your lounge yeah. and then you went, right, I'm going to now go and break into someone's house. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> like my heart's racing thinking about how bad where, that would feel. Where did... <laughs> and I've got no poker face. So everyone would know I was up to something. Where was... Yeah, exactly. Where was the voice yeah. that went, no, don't do that. Yeah. Like, but yeah, no, people do fascinate me. I love it. Well, it's usually with things like that. It's the reason why people do stupid things my feeling and understanding is that it is instant gratification and delayed consequence. Right. Look at that. You do things you know you're not supposed to do because you'll get the the immediate satisfaction of something. That's like they do an experiment with kids, didn't they? They put a sweet in front of them or a oh cake yeah, in front of now, them. Now you can have it later and have two or Yeah, something. so they yeah. put a cake in front of them and go, oh. right, I'm going to leave the room. Yeah. You can eat this cake now. Or if you wait until I come back in five minutes, yeah. I will give you two cakes. Yeah. Like that's an amazing. I'm telling you now that cake wouldn't last. That I'll be. Oh, I'll have the cake now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it now. So anyway, come on, we've digressed. So let's talk about the coaching. Why you yeah. got yeah. So you got back into it because yeah. You so to I help got people. into that, and it took me a while because I was coming from almost ten years business experience. Initially, I was like, well, it makes sense to coach people within business, mm-hmm. but I just didn't enjoy it. I'm very, very honest. I just didn't enjoy it. It was like, well, I'm already kind of doing this. It doesn't really, it doesn't light me up. Mm. And I found myself just really heavily gravitating towards wanting to work with women who were struggling with self-belief and insecurities and women who had goals and dreams and desires but either didn't quite know how to put them all together into something that was actionable or didn't really have the confidence to do that. And Mm. I could relate to both of those things. Yeah. So that's kind of where it started. Yeah. And what what gets you up in the morning with that? What's what's your why with that now? There is an element of wanting to transmute what happened to me into something positive for someone else. Mm-hmm. So using all that. of that experience yeah. to guide someone else, it makes it valuable and worthwhile. Mm-hmm. To me, it gives it reasoning. Mm-hmm. Again, the idea that I always had to have that. That was part of my journey. I always had to go through that mm. so that I could get to where I am today. Mm-hmm. So to me, it just turns it into something really positive. And also, I just, I really, really hate the idea of a woman feeling as isolated as I felt. Someone who wants me. I mean, I got to my, I can't remember when it was, maybe early 30s. And at this point, I'd, st- I'd had two businesses that were both successful in their own right. And I got to my early 30s And I realized that I had never been allowed to have dreams or pursue dreams. Because again, the religion I grew up in, higher education was spiritually dangerous. I'll tell you something, when I grew up, nobody ever said to me, what are you going to be when you grow up? Wow. Nobody ever. Nobody said, when you leave school, you're going to go to college or, you know, no. What do they do? even a question. What do they do for jobs? Uh, They have to be jobs that require as little commitment as possible and they also have to have a moral standing so for so very few i think actually i did some research on this recently for an article and demographically they have the lowest rates of higher education with any religious group which for me must be a higher rate of unemployment not well you have to think the women's role is to be subservient so most women are housewives right or they can have roles that are that will not keep them from um ministerial projects so spreading the good word okay 
or 60. Yeah. So, and honestly, there is a huge portion of the guys, it's, it was always a long-standing joke growing up, is that the men were window cleaners or they were builders. And lots of them would build uh, the environments and the structures and the congregations in which they would gather. Okay. So I remember very, very young visiting um, like a massive, huge sort of congregational hall and visiting that as it was being built. And my nan and granddad were staying in a caravan to build that. And your granddad was building yeah, it. Yeah, my granddad was building it. So that probably dates, like we're going back into it now, but that probably dates back <laughs> to ancient times where they built their own towns. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. So I'd never, it was only in my early 20s that I even considered, well, what am I going to do with myself? You know, I had an interest in people and psychology, and mm. but I certainly never, and I look back now and I think, man, if I knew mm. then what I know now and had the ambition and drive that I have now, there would be so many things that would be different. But again, you can't look at it that way because it all leads, it's all part of the journey and the don't, process. Just don't look, the only time you should ever be looking behind you is to see how far you've come. Yeah, I love that. Like, so true. Yeah, it's so true. And uh, that, that's spoken from experience. That's, that's, that's yeah. coming from a guy that, that spent years looking behind himself and looking at the mess that he made Yeah. and worrying about that mess, whereas I could have just gone, right, okay, yeah. so you're not that person anymore. Yeah, you made a mess, just do your utmost to make yeah. sure you don't make that mess again yeah, but here's the thing by you having that awareness and doing work in that you can then help other people 100 percent. so it's the reason why i do what i yeah. do because i could sit there and feel angry and bitter and frustrated there was a That's large the portion of time where i felt like i'd had my childhood stolen mm. and the thing that gets me up is using all of that stuff and helping other women to not keep themselves small to not give in to this kind of limiting beliefs and to be able to use everything they have inside of them to go and achieve big things for themselves. 100%. Even, even if that big thing for themselves is loving themselves and just living a life in which they feel happy and content, that's a big thing. Do you know loving yourself? like mm. That's over the years. That, that in itself has, that, that used to be a negative thing. Oh, he loves himself. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I don't love me, who, who's going to? Yeah, right. If you can't love yourself. Like, uh, you need to do it. Like, it's funny because you say about moving on from the past. So, again, I was talking to someone a couple of months ago. And when, when I say talking to someone, it, it, was, it was a heated discussion. <laughs> and they started throwing some stuff at me mm. from my past. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know you. You do. And I said, no, you don't know me. You knew me then. You, you knew know, a version of me. You know a version of yeah. me. Because bear in mind, I've not spoken to this person for a very long time, and yeah. it was quite evident off the back of this conversation why I hadn't spoken to him for a very long time. <laughs> and um, have a reminder. <laughs> and I was, and I actually said, I was like, "No, you know me from back then." Mm. And then they started going on about the past, and and I was like, "Look, if I can give you one hack in life, is just let it go." Yeah. Like, do you know? It's and and it's something that I worked really hard on. Once I'd learned to let go of the past, do you know how much I got from life? Yeah, you, you free up space. It's nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, you hear people, oh, you don't understand what my mum do. You don't understand what my dad. Like, listen, it's not that deep. They're not that deep. Are you stuck on stupid? Like, how are you going to let something that happened to you 15 years ago stop you from living a life 15 years in the future? Because yeah. you're giving yourself a prison sentence. 
mentally you are giving yourself a prison yeah. sentence by saying that I'm just I can't move on from this but it comes with work and that is obviously the great work that you do yeah I think it's I think it's um it can be a trippy a tricky conversation for a lot of people because for me I'm a big believer in taking responsibility accountability 100%. and it's something that my work focuses on as well because you cannot help what happened to you your environment that you grew up in the things that happened to you you were potentially a victim in, in circumstances and everybody at some point in their life can say i was a victim to something or someone you make yourself a victim yeah well here's the thing you can sit in that victimhood and a lot of the times you'd be quite right to sit there and go well i suffered this and it was very painful and you'd be like okay How's that going to serve you? Mm. Where do you want to go from here? You can hold on to it and it's going to hurt like hell and it's going to be heavy and you're going to have no space for anything else in your life. You carry it around with you or you can let it go. And it's a choice. It is a choice. And that is the thing that can be really hard for some people to fully understand is that that's a choice you make. You couldn't choose what they did to you, but you are choosing to hold on to it. Mm. And it's giving them more power than what you're allowing yourself to have. The reason I'm smiling is because there'll be someone listening to this that needs to hear that. Yeah. Like, so, <clears throat> I know you work with women, yeah. but at the end of the day, a human's a human. Absolutely. Regardless, regardless of how you're made up yeah. anatomically. Did I say that word right? Um, so, for someone that is listening to this, that, that is holding, I'm, <laughs> everyone that's listening to this now, I'm getting you some free coaching here, so, <laughs> like, DM me and say thanks. <laughs> So to someone that's listening to this, that they probably are holding on to some stuff. Yeah. What's your advice to them? How do they start that? To that? Like, I know how I let it go. Yeah. It was a really tricky conversation with myself. Mm-hmm. Like, honesty. I, yeah. It, it's like, honesty. I, I realised how much my past was feeling guilty about my past. Mm-hmm. Because I've done some dirt, man. Like, I don't, this is just it with me. Like, I made some fucking monumental mistakes in my, monumental mistakes in my life. That I've that weighed me down for years, Haley. Yeah. That I, I looked at a lot. I caused a lot of hurt, and to this day, I sort of, of course I'm sorry for it. Of course, I'm ashamed of what I did. Do I regret it? The answer is no. Do you know why I don't regret it? Because had I had I not been through that, and had I not learned the lessons I learned, I wouldn't be the man I am today. Yeah, so, back to the free coaching. So, to <laughs> someone listening to this now, that probably is going through some stuff, that's yeah. been through some stuff in their life that they want to let go, they want to move on. What's your advice to them? You have to ask yourself, how is this serving me? Mm-hmm. Because I believe that there are two main emotional motivators that we experience. And it's love and it's fear. And you can trace almost any behaviour back, love or fear. Mm-hmm. You're feeling insecure, that's a fear. Are you angry? Are you scared of? frustrated you have to ask yourself where is this serving me how is it serving me mm-hmm. how is this impacting my life my relationships mm. and you soon come to realize that anything that is fear-based is not serving you so if something isn't serving you it's sabotaging you okay. how is it sabotaging you you know one of the things that i did in my early 20s i got to my mid-20s and i realized that i had been dating the same person over and over again in a different body the same person was constantly showing up the message was always clear was i was picking people 
that were meeting a certain criteria that was satisfying a subconscious mm. belief that I held mm. of I'm not lovable. No one will ever love me. Mm. So what I was doing is I was picking relationships in which I was going to be treated badly, mm-hmm. not knowingly, not, not consciously, mm. but there would be a room full of lovely people and there'd be this one dickhead at the back I'd be like, I choose you. <laughs> you know? Do you know how many women are going to listen to this? And yeah. Go, yeah, that's me. Yeah, why? Because on some level, like a vibrational frequency, whatever you can call it, I knew that person was mm. going to confirm this belief that I had that I was not lovable. So it would all go wrong and they would treat me horribly and I'd be like, oh, see? See, did, did, this is so relatable. Yeah. And then I got to a point where I was like, hang on a fucking minute. Every guy out there, every girl out there, every person is is that way, really. You have to get to a stage where you are willing to look in the mirror. Mm. And it's not about going, looking in the mirror and blaming yourself for their behavior. It's about looking in the mirror and looking at yourself and going, what is it that I am doing mm-hmm. that is attracting and allowing these people, this situation to mm-hmm. constantly continue arise within my life. Mm-hmm. There are patterns, always patterns. So you have to look at them and you have to be honest with yourself. So, yeah. so honest. Where is my bullshit? Yeah. How does it serve me? Yeah. How is this sabotaging me? 100%. Jordan Peterson says the same thing, doesn't he? Oh, I love Jordan Peterson. He's like my intellectual crush. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, like, I do like Jordan He's Peterson. Amazing. I do. Do you know one thing I love about Jordan Peterson? If you ever noticed... He never answers a question straight away. Listen, the next next time you hear a podcast of him, they ask him a question and there's like a three-second gap where he actually takes the question in, digests it and really thinks about his answer he gives back. Yeah. And, yeah, Jordan Peterson says the same. Like, if you want, you want to change, you've really got to sit on the end of your bed. Yeah. And you've got to say, like, what's going wrong? Mm-hmm. What portion can I take control of of I that? Take responsibility responsibility and ownership and again it's a conversation that, that i had with myself as close but i'll do it all the time now like if something's going wrong in my life i'm like right okay that's going wrong yeah what part of it's jamie's yeah where's your responsibility in that right so we've we can identify the areas that you're responsible for jamie now what can you change yeah. how can you change it and what will you actually change yeah like it, and it can even it can even be down to a level of diet and fitness, right? Mm. So, like, oh, one of the things I'm miserable about is I'm eating wrong. Right, well, who's putting that food in your mouth? <laughs> Why are you no eating No one else wrong? standing there with a the cookie jar. No, there's <laughs> literally no me. one else going to McDonald's. <laughs> like, And I'm not, trust me, yeah. I'm not sat here. There's the most, no, I had a bacon sandwich before I come out. Um, no, it's, and the reason I, I, I had a moment there when you were talking about self-sabotage and, all allowing all of this stuff is I relate that back to my mental health. Yeah. So when I'm unwell, my thoughts love telling me mm. how much of a bad person I am. Yeah. And at my lowest, I remember, and this goes back to the mistakes that I made and the, 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 the trouble that I caused, is I would go out and reaffirm, I would do stuff mm-hmm. to say to these thoughts, yeah, you're right. And I got myself in that much trouble with lots of different stuff that when my world came crashing down, it was like, yeah. you were right. Yeah. And then it ended up, and then I ended up on a rinse and repeat cycle. Mm-hmm. And three years later, I ended up in exactly the same situation. Because yeah, you know, the human brain loves to be right. 
So yeah. it believes what you tell it. Yeah. So if you tell it you're a good for nothing, whatever, you'll go out and do things or attract those things. Yeah. And then again, like same with my relationships, it was like, see, told you. Yeah. So it, it, it's exactly like that's why I laughed a little bit because I went through all of this probably from 2016 to 2017. Wow. And then again in 2018 to 2019, I've done it all again. Yeah. And I had a relationship, and then j- towards the pandemic, I had a relationship fail right at the end of the pandemic. Mm. And it was, only, I promise you, it was only in 2021, like once I, I met, like, you know, all the guys from Shifties and that, yeah. which brought me into a space where I could really start to think about my life and think about me as a person, that I was like, actually, Jamie, you're, you, you're to blame for 90% of this. Mm. Because you let your mental health get the better of you, you let those negative thoughts get the better of you, and you went out and you engaged in all of those behaviours that caused you problems because other than taking responsibility and saying, do you know what, my depression lies to me, I'm going to do, like what I do now Mm. is battle it and go, right, well, you're a liar, and I can do, I I look at what I do now, Instead of going out and doing what I did, that resulted in two failed relationships you and developed lots. a skill set, hundred percent to be able to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, and no, that's amazing. I really hope that someone listening to this takes something from that, and I'm sure they will. Um, we are running out of time. I just want to ask you two more questions. Mm-hmm. So, talk to me about the writing because that's quite exciting. I'm so excited about the writing. Yeah. Yeah, so excited about it. So for the longest time, I've had it in my head that I would write a book. Anyone that I've had coffee with and you get talking about anything like this, they're like, jeez, you should write a book. Yeah. And I've always sort of had it inside of me. But ironically, I've held off writing for a really long time. And it wasn't until I was on holiday last year, we took our girls to Turkey in October. Mm. And I was reading a book around finding your dharma and really sort of like channeling quite deeply on your purpose in life. Mm. And I was doing a meditation and it came to me this, you're, you're a writer. Mm. And I remember thinking, mm, no, I write because I have to for social media and for blogs. And this yeah. thing, but I'm not really a writer. And again, it was through the meditation. It was like, no, you are a writer. And then I had this, I'd re- I hadn't forgotten it, but I'd kind of dismissed it as having any relevance. Mm. But when I was about 11 or 12 years old, I was writing short stories. And I think they might have been particularly, like, gruesome. Or, okay. or like, enough, basically, that the elders of the congregation and the religion that I was growing up in yeah. were brought round to our house. Ooh. And I was told I was not allowed to write. Oh. Yeah, so my, my writing, my little short stories, mm. were, were ripped up, taken away from me, and I was told I wasn't allowed to write. And I didn't write for a really long time after that. Yeah. And it's so funny because over the years, whenever I've had to write anything, I've gone, well, I'm not a writer. And I felt frustrated. And then through meditating and diving into it, I've gone, holy shit, you are a writer. Mm. And it's really interesting because the more I'm diving into it, the more it feels like I'm coming home to myself. Amazing. I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but I can't really describe it so any other way than that. So there's a book on its way? Yeah, I am writing a book. I need to yeah. dedicate more time to it, but for sure I'm I'm writing a book. Yeah. Wicked. Well, make sure that when it's finished, that I get a copy, please. Signed, of course. Of course. <laughs> no, fair play to you, Haley. Fair play to you. Um, and lastly, I can't bring you on a podcast without talking about your podcast. So do <laughs> some self plugging. Oh my goodness. What's your podcast? So my podcast is called Mindset, Mess, and Magic. 
I actually listened to that the other day. Did you? Yes, I did. You can tell me what you think when we're not recording. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, was, it was good. It was good. You was you was on your own though when you you didn't. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it was a very good podcast. Yeah. Mindset. What is it? Mindset, Mi- mess, and magic. Because I magic. believe that life is full of mess. Yeah. You can draw magic from it, and it is all about your mindset. Okay, and that's available where? So you can get that on Spotify. You can get that on Apple. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And um, lastly, where can people connect with you? Uh, social media, mostly. So Instagram. So at Haley Scott Summers. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. And if you want me saying, I have got a workshop coming up. Hundred so percent. Plug, plug tu- away. Tuesday thirtieth. Yeah. Of what month are we in? April. So Tuesday thirtieth of May. Yeah. So it's going to be based on my new workbook that I'm giving away for free. 10 Steps to Becoming Power Today. Yeah. And I'm hosting a workshop on that. And where, where can they enroll on that? So I'm publishing all of the details this weekend. So if you follow me on social media, you'll find it there. Right, well, there you go then. So make sure you're checking out Hayley's socials. Make sure you're enrolling on the workshop. Make sure you're listening to her podcast. Make sure you're reading her book. Make sure you're eating in a restaurant. <laughs> Big up 77. <laughs> um, make sure that you're eating at the... Street Food Fest, you're going to be there? Yeah, the, the food truck's going to be there with the Thai food. Yeah, Can't wait. <laughs> I thought, like When we're talking about street food, honestly, I'll promise you, every time we mention <laughs> Street Food Fest, like, I'm dead excited. It was um, so good. It was so good last year. It was amazing. It, 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 yeah. it, is, it is good. And for anyone in the St. Neats and surrounding areas, what day is it? The tw- is it the 12th of May, the mm. Street Food Fest? It's a uh, weekend, a Sunday in about three weeks' time. I don't know now, <laughs> but I know it's soon. Uh, if you're interested, I'll um, I'll put something on my Instagram and come and check it out. But you should definitely come down. Um, Hayley, thank you so much. It's been amazing like to sit and listen and hear about your journey. Um, and can I just say you're an incredibly, incredibly inspirational You're very generous. Lady. You're very sweet. That's it's been right. really fun being here. Thank you for having no, me. You're very welcome. And before I go, um, I have to give a shout out to shift momentum for putting us in this wonderful studio today um and as i said at the top of this this is the last in this current season of the hashtag are you okay mate podcast i will be back in the summer so don't worry um but i just want to thank all my guests on i've had this season um paul Danan, dale pinnock katie pope rob coles uh, all the amazing guys from the man up for what podcast and yourself Haley. um this podcast has always been an additional vehicle for me. It's like free counselling. Like, I just... like, and I, and I hope that not only you, but anyone that's ever been on this podcast, I really want you to listen to this bit. And it's a real heartfelt thank you because it, this helps me. I keep a lot inside. And when I'm sat behind this microphone, I, I don't know, I just feel comfortable. And... A deep soul. And... It, this this is this has given me a voice and it allows me to talk about a lot of stuff that I think about and a lot of stuff that that I keep inside and without it I I wouldn't be able to talk about all of this stuff and I've yeah I've met some amazing people so that is a genuine heartfelt thank you to to yourself and to all of the guests um so like I say I'll be back in the summer um go away enjoy the rest of the, the beginning of the summer and we'll catch up soon and I will see you all on the flip side. Take care.